Okay, so maybe you're wondering what I'm doing up here, but that's all right. Um, pastor's given me a few weeks to teach here on Wednesday nights, and uh, I guess to preface what I want to teach about, what I, what I do for a living kind of gets me out there, and I get to meet new people, um, you know, and, and, and in all reality, it brings me into their personal space a lot, if you want to call it that. Um, you know, I'm always entering people's homes. I basically come in and destroy their home and then put it all back together. But I'm in their personal space. And a lot of times, uh, the people who can afford to do a lot of these projects are usually maybe the older people, if you want to call it that, and they're home, they're retired maybe, whatever it might be. But even if not, when I meet with them to go over what we're going to do and we talk about their things, I'm usually meeting with a couple or uh, you know, a husband and a wife, and we talk about what they want to do, and I see a lot of things, and I and I try to be observant, and, and I learn a lot just from watching people. You know, I've always done that over the years, and it's just kind of interesting what you can pick up on and what seems to work and what don't, but the one thing I do see a lot of is extremely miserable people, miserably married people, if you want to call it that. They just don't care for each other. Uh, they just don't care to be around each other. Um, sometimes, for example, one place we re- recently worked at, if one of the two spouses says anything to the other one, it's just an instant uproar. I mean, I mean, they'll just bite each other's head off at the drop of a hat over nothing. There's just so much bitterness there towards each other. They don't like each other. I mean, there's literally hatred there, and it's just, it's just a shame. But then I was also at another couple's house just recently going over the final details. And this gentleman's got cancer. He's dying. He's putting his affairs in order. He's just recently sold his business. He's got a handful of cars left with his business that he's selling. And he's got a hail claim on his house. And he wants to get it taken care of so the wife doesn't have anything to worry about. And I thought, well, that's impressive. And while I'm there, they're talking. He's dealing with having a hard time hearing and stuff. The wife's right there to, to support him and talk about and talk to him and, and repeat if necessary. Or, and she's telling me to kind of talk loud and stuff. And she was just incredibly encouraging to him, was just lifting him up and talking about how, you know, yeah, you're, we're going to get this taken care of, but you're going to be here for a long time, yada, yada, just stuff like that. And I thought, that's interesting. They've lived together all these years. On the end, it's got to be a toll on her to deal with all this extra stuff and having to deal with extra things because he's hardly able to even get around anymore. And yet she's just as chipper as can be, and you can just see the love between the two of them. And so it's just interesting to see sometimes the different things that people do and the way they act and stuff like that. And 99% of the time I'm dealing with unbelievers, but I do see it sometimes in believers too. And so what I would like to talk about is marriage. And you might think, well, you ain't been married very long. What makes you an expert on that? No, I haven't. I'm almost 10 years into this thing. So we've actually made it beyond the normal point of what the the average marriage length time is. But at the same time, I'm going to teach you from the Word. And the Word doesn't change. I don't care who's teaching the Word, whether somebody's even married or not, if they're teaching on marriage and it's coming from the Word we're good to go. So I don't think there should be any question of whether or not this is any good because I'm not really going to use a lot of personal experience per se as much. But a couple of things I was looking up on statistics for divorce 
which should be a word that I would hope you don't like to use or especially if you're married, you're not using that word, we'd hope. But you know, divorce out there is, amongst everybody that's married, is a 50% deal. 50% of all marriages and divorce, end in divorce. Um, most of them don't make it past eight years. That's the average length of most marriages out there. I, when I see these statistics, it's talking about, I think it was like every three seconds there's a divorce taking place. Every three seconds. That's an incredible rate of some unhappy people. And why is it? What are they doing wrong? What have they got out of order? Or what are they missing, so to speak? The one thing I found really interesting, youth, listen to me, please. I think you'll find this interesting. The divorce rate in those who live together prior to marriage, you know, a couple that's dating or whatever, they decide to move in together before they get married, the divorce rate in those relationships increases by 40% if you do that. And I found that interesting because the world will tell you, well, you got to live with them for a while. How else are you going to know whether or not you want to spend the rest of your life with them? That's wrong. It violates the word of God and it makes it hard. But we're not going to get into all of that stuff. We only got so much time, so I'm just going to hit a few things. But there's a lot of good stuff in the word of God and it does spell it all out. How do you do a marriage? What are the roles of the husband? What are the roles of the wife? How do you deal with strife? If you think you're going to get married, you know, the little bit of marriage counseling I have done, I tell the people, you know, everything's fun and dandy right now. But if you think you're going to get married and be in so love, you're never going to fight, you're an idiot. And then if you think when you start to fight, I guess we don't love each other anymore, you're an idiot. That's not the truth. That has nothing to do with it. Anytime you put two people in a room for an extended period of time, they're going to fight. It just comes up, you know. Uh, just because sometimes I scream at Caleb at work doesn't mean I don't care for the guy no more. We just, you, you get around each other that long, you're going you're gonna to rub each other wrong some days. That's just the way it is. So, yes, I mean, he's coming to learn that, that I'm always right, but he'll get there one of these days. But anyway, what I want to talk to you about in the next few weeks is the roles of a husband, is the roles of a wife, how to deal with strife, and it's all from the word. Again, I'm not trying to sit and stand up here and say I'm an expert and I got this all figured out. You know, like I said, we're about to round the old 10-year mark. And we've done plenty of our own fair share of screaming and hollering at each other. I think we've done pretty well over the years of learning how to deal with that. Um, you know, I haven't foamed at the mouth in at least a week. You don't know. But you just got to learn how to deal with this stuff. And there's some simple little things you can do that will help you a ton and not get into a strife of such things that get you into trouble. And one of the biggest problems I see, and it's mostly in the world, not in the church, but, you know, if you're happily married, great. Soak this in. You can use it to help somebody maybe. Maybe you're happily married, but you got some areas you're working on. Well, this might help you too. Maybe you're a youth in here, and you're not even thinking about marriage. Hang on to some of this stuff. This is good stuff. You'll use it someday. Maybe you're no longer married and you ain't ever planning on getting married ever again. That's fine too. Again, good stuff you can hang on to. You can use it in all relationships in reality or teach somebody this stuff. You know, if you're an older person and you're hanging on to this, you can use this to teach some younger people because this is the stuff that's missing 
in 90% of the relationships, especially in the world, and this is why they get it all screwed up, and this is why they struggle so much. Marriage was ordained and established by God. It's not something the government did. Yes, you can get a legal contract from the government establishing your marriage, but the principle, the design, the whole thought of how a marriage works, they never came up with that. So I know we see a lot of stuff going on today that's telling, telling us that the government's the one that controls what a marriage is and who gets to and who doesn't get to, but they never established it. They do not have the right to change it. And if you start violating God's rules on it, you will have troubles. So it's good to know how a marriage is supposed to work according to God. So tonight, we're going to pick on the guys. We're going to talk about the roles of a husband. So the women, you're off the hook. Tonight, you get to do nothing but keep elbowing your guy and say, see, you don't do that. No, but uh, there is some good stuff you can listen to and absorb in this, and I think you'll get a kick out of it. You'll enjoy it. And, And I think for the most part, just from the people I do know, you're doing this stuff, so that's good. But there might, maybe you'll find a couple things, and maybe you'll find some encouragement out of this. But don't worry, guys. Next week we're going to talk about the women, so then that will be your chance to elbow them back. But what is the role of a husband? Anybody have any idea of any of the roles of a husband in a marriage? Fire away, Holly. Breadwinner. Yep. Yep. That, that's the truth. She's got another one. Fire away. Yep, head of the household as it might be labeled. Anybody else have any thoughts? I mean, there's right and wrong answers, whatever, but serve. Yep, and we'll touch base on a lot of that. Protector, yes, that's an exact title I have wrote down. Um, so we'll go through a few of these. The individual roles of a husband, and this isn't all-inclusive. This is just a handful of things, and I actually stole most of these out of the uh, marriage classes um, and I think a lot of you were married before maybe you came to church here. Maybe you never did marriage classes, you know. Uh, in this room, what do we got? Maybe two people, three people that have. There's some good stuff in there that I think I enjoy teaching marriage classes because I keep coming back to it then, and I see it, and I go, oh, you know, I'm not doing real good in that department. Or uh, then I can go tell Courtney where she's failing too, you know, so that's kind of nice. But anyway, the head of the household is one of the roles of the husband. He's, he's a direction giver. He's a decision maker. Now, just because you're the head of the household doesn't mean you're on top, you're ruling the roost, you're king tut. It has nothing to do with that. So let's look at a couple of scriptures here. The first individual role of the husband is headship. So let's look at what that means biblically, not what our minds immediately drag to and think, I'm in charge, I rule the roost, I get to call the shots. Not quite. So let's take a look at this. Uh, Let's go first to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. It says, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, The head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So we see God ordaining the head of the household, if you want to call it that. Let's also go to Ephesians 5.23, and it says it even a little more detail. I'm going to run you around through a few scriptures here quick, and then we'll chat about this. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, 
and he is the savior of the body. This is not a ranking system. This does not put you, like I said, as King Tut ruling the roost kind of thing. You've got God, you've got Christ, you've got the husband, you've got the wife. It's not a rank, it's a system of order. And if you're in that proper order, then you get hooked up with the rules, so to speak, that apply to that proper order. If you want to break order and get out of order, we all know where that puts us. It's just like the word of God. Yes, it's God's will that everyone go to heaven, but you've got to follow the right order. You've got to do it the way he says to do it, and that's just how it is. So we follow the order. We get ourselves in a position of order that places us under Christ, which is under his protection. And if the wife will place herself under the husband in that proper order, that protection keeps moving downhill. That blessing keeps moving downhill. And I shouldn't even use the word downhill because, again, I'm trying to do everything I can, if you will understand, to get away from a rank. It's not a rank. It has nothing to do with rank. It's proper order. So we need to get ourselves in that order. And it says here in Ephesians 5.23, let me read that again. For the, husband of the, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also the Christ is the head of the church. It's the same thing. It's, it's an order thing, again. And he is the savior of the body. So Christ is the head of the husband and the savior of the body, so the church, you know. So therefore also, like we, the husband is the head of the wife, he also is standing in a place of the savior for the wife and the family. Well, what's the savior mean to you? What are some words that describe savior? I wrote down a handful of them here. A deliverer, protect, heal, preserve, do well, make whole. Are you doing that? Husbands, is that a role you're fulfilling? Because, again, it's not just rank. It's a a proper order. It's a role that you have to fill. The head gives direction. Do you have a direction for your family? Do you have any idea where you're going? Do you have a five-year plan, ten-year plan, so to speak? And I'm not saying you've got to necessarily run this gauntlet thing because life changes. It's going to throw you for a loop, and that's just the way it is. But if... Your only goals in life are to eat, sleep, work, sex, done. Do it over again. That's not direction. You need to have a direction for your family. And you might think, I don't have a clue where we're going, what we're doing. Well, that's, that's fine. Get with God and get some direction. So you can lead your family according to the will of God. It's very important that you do that because, again, you can't just slough through this. Yes, uh, breadwinner is a role that you need to play, if you want to call it that. But that doesn't mean you just bring home the bacon, lay it on a table, and your job's done. Not even close. That's probably the most minute role of a husband. So you need to be a direction giver. You need to get out there, seek God, and figure out where is your family headed? What does God have for you to do? You know, you can't just chase a job to another country or another city just because it's a better better paying job. That might not have anything to do with what God has for you, and you might walk so far away from God that you'll destroy your family. And people wonder sometimes, why is it all falling apart on me? Well, you walked away from God. He never told you to go over there and chase that job. I've seen it happen a lot in the church where people get a promotion and they run after this job, and then their attendance starts to slip, and then it takes them to another city further away. They can't reach out to us anymore, and then... Ten years down the road, you run into them, and everything fell apart. They're divorced. Kids are messed up. 
whatever it may be. And I'm not saying it'll always be like that, but you need some direction. Get with God and get some direction. Number two, provider. First Timothy 5.8, if you want to flip there. And like I said, this is definitely an important thing. I'm not going to spend a ton, a ton of time on it because I believe everybody in here would be in easy agreement with me that you need to provide for your household. Let's see here if I can find First Timothy. First Timothy 5.28. Okay, obviously I've got a wrong scripture here. Maybe it's Second Timothy 5.8. Okay. Oh, yeah, it says 5.8 right on my piece of paper. Where'd you come up with 28? All right, 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's pretty strict. That's pretty straightforward. That's pretty cut and dry. Now, again, I don't. nobody in here is in that position and not doing that. But out in the world, it's not that uncommon that the husbands are a pile, just worthless. They don't do nothing. They expect the wife to take care of the kids. They expect the wife to bring home the bacon. They expect the wife to cook the bacon. They expect the wife to take care of the every needs in the house. That ain't right. That's not how God ordained it. That's out of order, and it will cause havoc in your marriage and your kids, all those different things. Number three, protector, just like Pat said. You are a shield for your wife, your family, and your home. Yes, we protect them in the natural. Obviously, if an intruder was going to invade your home, I don't think there's anyone in here um, that's going to tuck and run and hide in the basement and throw the family outside the door, lock the door, and say, take them. You know, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, You know, I could see maybe Larry putting Ellen outside and saying, take her. But anyway, um, so that's, that's an obvious role is to protect them in the natural. But so much more than that is the spiritual side. What are you doing, husbands, to protect your family spiritually? Are you doing anything? You know, is your family dealing with a lot of sickness maybe? Uh, kids are getting all messed up, getting into the wrong crowds, whatever it might be. And I'm not trying to I'm just throwing random examples so if I hit one on you don't think I was trying to point a finger at you but if you don't like what's going on in your household do something about it that's on you that's your responsibility if your family's walking away from God that yes everyone has their individual right or or reason to to seek God and and need to seek God but if everything's falling apart then obviously you need to do something about it. You need to step up as the man of the house and hit your knees and seek God and start praying his word, speaking his word, take up the word of God, the the sword of God, ward off those things that try and come against your family. The whole big picture of why God did this, why he created mankind was family. That was the big picture. He wanted family. So what do you think Satan's M.O. is? He wants to tear you to shreds and destroy your family. He wants to mess up family. Why do you think our divorce rate is so high? Why do you think we're dealing with these other marital issues? It's attacking the very thing God has made and ordained, and he's trying to tear it to shreds. Let it not be so in a Christian household. 
Let it not be so in your home. Take your authority. Stand on the word of God. Use it. Again, you don't get to just go to work, bring home the bread, lay it down, and then hit the recliner and feed up, game over. Now, there's nothing wrong with taking a little relaxing, but if you're not seeking God, you're going to miss this one. And stuff's going to find its way in while you're hanging out on the lazy boy. So don't let the stuff get in your home. That's your job to protect your home. And as things try and attack your home, attack your wife, attack your kids, whatever it might be, you need to step up and be a man about it. Man up. You know, in the simplest way, you need to man up and do something about it. And I think this is one of the bigger areas where we might, as a whole, lack. We're not doing that. And I don't think a lot of guys do that because we get hung up on just being the breadwinner, which is important, but it, this is more important in my opinion. And it's probably the more lacking one. So make sure you're doing that. Make sure you're in prayer. Make sure you're speaking the word of God. You know, just like pastor's been talking about, we speak that blessing, the spoken blessing. Are you doing that? Are you speaking over your kids? Do you take time, even if it's, you know, on your way to work and stuff when you're on your own, speak over your family. Speak the word of God. That's something God can work with and he'll use and do. And you might be amazed at how quick some of these issues you're dealing with will resolve themselves. You can give God something to work with. But if your only goal is just to, again, eat, work, sleep, sex. Why do I keep throwing that last one in? Because that's a guy's thing. That's something that's one of the four main things that you guys think about and deal with and go after, especially in the world. So it's just a reality. I'm not trying to be a weirdo. It's just reality. So we need to protect our wives. We need to protect our families. And the fourth thing, the last thing I'll touch on tonight, love. Love your wife. Well, duh. Right? That's just duh. Everybody knows that. Of course I love my wife. Well, did you know there's, in the Greek there's, I don't even know for sure, I know there's at least six different words for love in the Greek language that all in English translate as love. But there's three that I dug out that I think are the most relevant and I think are worth talking about short like here is eros is the first one. That's physical love or sexual love. Um, outside of a marriage, it's basically called lust. Uh, sin would be another good word for it. But, you know, obviously that's something that God has made and ordained, and it is for a marriage. So it's the most carnal, basic type of love, if you want to call it that. But, okay, we'll call it love. So that's one element in a marriage. The other one is phileo. That's like a deep friendship, an affection or a special interest in someone. Now, phileo love isn't just necessarily for a marriage. It can be outside of a marriage, but it is absolutely necessary in a marriage. You can't have a good marriage without phileo love. Well, I love them with the love of God. Yes, but they need to be a friend too. They need to be someone you have great affection for, someone you have special interest in. You know, it can also be a a brotherly love, uh, a good friend love, you know, uh, I could say I have the, that type of love for pastor, you know, someone I have special interest in, I care deeply for, that's a phileo love there. But again, that's got to be in a marriage. 
And your wife absolutely should be your best friend. In my opinion, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, two things outside of that I think I see a lot is some guy, other dude that we like to hang out with is our best friend. And there's nothing wrong with calling other people a best friend, if you want to call it that. But there shouldn't be anybody that's more of a special interest than that's a better friend than your own wife. And I think sometimes that we get used to each other and we kind of quit doing that stuff and we just lose some of that phileo love. And that's where the next one, the agape love, comes in. But we need to go back into that, charge that up again. What were some of the things that caused you to fall in love in the first place? What are some of those things you like? You know, Courtney and I talk about everything, everything. She probably gets tired of listening to me talk sometimes, actually, because I talk a lot about work because that's what I'd like to do, whatever. But, so, but she puts up with it. But we talk about everything. We go over everything. If someone talks to me about something or whatever, we're one. So I'm not saying that if you confide in me in a secret, I'm going to break your secret, but we're one. You get what I'm saying? There's nothing I keep from her. There is no such thing as a white lie. It still comes, that second word, that lie. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible about lies. And deception's just as ugly. Not saying what actually happened. Sure, I didn't lie to him, but I just didn't really tell him. That's no good. Don't get caught up in that. You're opening the door, and you'll, you'll, you'll have consequences because of it. It's not good in a marriage. There should be nothing hidden. So it's open door. And again, that's your best friend. Share with them what's going on in your heart. Talk to them about things. I enjoy thoroughly having someone I can go talk to. I don't, you know, yes, I can go to God and I talk to God. Don't get me wrong. But I enjoy bouncing ideas off my wife. You know, I, I have a one-track mind a lot of times. And I get an idea in my head and I'm sold out on it and I'm going to run right to it. But I've learned to bounce it off because sometimes she'll throw things at me that I never really even thought of or ways that I could handle a situation at work, or whatever it might be. So it's good to have that. You need to have that. It's absolutely necessary. And the third type is agape love. That's God's love. That's the unconditional love. If the phileo love, there's going to be days that the phileo love just isn't there. You're not going to have that special interest. And you might be thinking to yourself, I can't stand even being here today. I am just not interested in spending time with my spouse. That happens, but that's where the agape love comes in. It's unconditional. It keeps you seated. You ain't going nowhere. You know, the phileo love can come and go to a degree, but it'll come back if you'll allow it. But you've got to have the agape love, that love that says, no way, no how will this ever stop. This is forever, and that's the way it's going to be in my eyes, and that's the way I'm going to lock in. That's agape love. You have to have those three to make a marriage work. You've got to, you've got to hit all three. Ephesians 5, 25 through 29. Let's look there quick. We'll end with this scripture. It says, Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, 
but that he, that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wife, own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. And the, the first scripture there, 25, I'm going to reread that. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church, and he gave himself for her. So, just as Christ did. So here's the, the bomb that I always like to drop when we do the marriage classes thing. So what did Christ do for the church? Go ahead and shout out ideas. There's tons of them. Yep, he died for us. What's he still doing for us as the church? Yeah, grace, mercy. He's interceding on our behalf. He protects us. He prays for us. He watches out for us. He provides for us. He blesses us. And on and on and on. So we are to love our wives just as Christ loved the church. That's a pretty stiff list. So we sometimes get this idea, we're the head of the household. We got this made. I'm on top. No, there comes a huge responsibility with that. So wives, tonight you can go, phew, I don't have to do that. You don't. It's not your your responsibility. Now, there's things you have to do, don't get me wrong, that are your roles, if you want to call it that. But this one falls on the husband. And if he's not doing these things, you will stand before God, and he's going to ask you about this someday. So we need to do these things. One, Christ sacrificed himself. Are you sacrificing your personal wants for the better of your wife and your family? You know, sometimes you've got to make tough decisions and do things that you don't want to do. But there's other times there's things that we really, really want to do that are going to override some things we need to do. And I think a lot of times we decide to maybe head out for a fun night with the guys or something like that instead of being home where we need to be to take care of some things and to do what we're supposed to do. So, And I'm not saying you can never do that, but it shouldn't be more than taking care of your family and doing those things. Feed them. Are you providing for your family's needs? You know, like we talked about, provider. Protect them. Are you standing in the gap for your wife and your family, both physically and spiritually? You know, like we talked about in protection. You need to be taking time to seek God, not only for direction, but you need to be speaking the word over your family, declaring what God would say for your family, and leading your family with the sword of God in your hand, warding off the enemy as he does and will come against you. It's not if, I hope he don't, he will. That's his MO. He's going to. But who cares if he does? I have the sword of God in my hand, the word of God, and I will speak the word of God, and he will move, and he will back off. Because I stand in faith, and I stand for my family, and I speak the word over them. And it's important that you do so also. Let me just read this as we close up here. Jesus gave up everything he had and handed it over to the church. Are you hear me, guys? Remember, we're to be like Jesus was for the church. He gave up everything he had and handed it over to the church. And now Jesus lives to take care of the believer provide for the believer, protect the believer, continually giving them his all. Or you could read it, Ike.
And now the husband lives to take care of his wife and family, provide for his wife and family, protect his wife and family, continually giving them his all. That's your role in a marriage. Simple, right? (laughs) Give it all away. But that's, if you will start viewing your marriage like that and start living like that, you'll reap that too. I know a lot of times like, just give and give and give and they do what they want and they never ever, you know. We've all said things like that. We've all thought like that. But it don't work like that. Not, Not if you're doing it the way God says. It'll change because God's word never fails. It works every time. So stand on it, believe it, speak it, and act on it. Do your part. This is, that is a scriptural role of the husband. And again, that's not all inclusive. But in summary, you're the head of the household. You're to provide for the household. You're to protect your household. And you're to love your wife. She's your best friend. Keep it that way. So if you're out of kilter, if you're out of order, Make some adjustments. It's not too late. It's not like you can't do these things. And as next week we come together, we'll talk about the wives. We'll talk about your roles. And I hope you guys, when you leave, will talk about these things. And not, now wives, you can't step out of here and start badgering on them either. That's not how this works. And we'll talk about that next week. But sit down as mature adults, as husband and wife, as best friends, and talk about it. You'll be amazed. I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll bring peace. It'll bring joy. Put an effort into it. Yeah, it's going to be maybe a bumpy road in the beginning, but you'll get there. And, and then again, you young ones that are not married, hang on to this stuff. Put it in the back here. This is good stuff. And if a guy comes to you and wants to court you or whatever it is, or a gal comes to you and wants to court you, and they aren't doing these things or even showing some of this, and it might not be that prominent in a young guy or something like that, but if they're not even showing any of these attributes, don't waste your time. He ain't worth it. He's a pile. (laughs) Amen? So, Father, I thank you for your word tonight, and I thank you for these marriages in this church. I thank you, Father God, that your word is our strength and our center. And, Lord, I just speak a blessing over the marriages tonight. I pray, Father God, that opportunity will come to talk about these things. And, Lord, it won't bring strife, but it will bring peace. And I pray, Father, that it will be done in peace and that their hearts will approach this with peace, Father God, with a desire to grow stronger together as a family, together as husband and wife, in you, Father God, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Anything I